Welcome to the FarmBit podcast. FarmBits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture team and hosted by the students at the University of Nebraska. The FarmBits podcast comes to each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agricultural industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with a new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBits podcast. I'm Katie Bathke. And I'm Natasha Mezzo, and we are glad to have you with us as we begin our discussion on research management in specialty cropping systems. Today, Mia Luong, a second-year PhD candidate, has joined the podcast to give insight on her research experiences in a variety of specialty crops. Could you introduce yourself, sharing your background up until where you are now? Uh, so my name is Mia Luong. I'm originally from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. So my Vietnamese name is Luong Trung Kim Ngân. <laughs> we do like last name first and first name last. So it's kind of like a widening path. So actually, uh, my first degree was in economics after I finished high school in Vietnam. And I went to Australia to study economics. And then I came back to Vietnam. Um, at that time, there was a lot of concern about pesticide residue in food. And my dad was an oncologist. And then there was some statistic, like very high percentage of cancer is resolved from pesticide residue in food, at least on Vietnamese newspaper anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, let's start to grow some food. So it's probably like seven years ago. It's the first time I ever grow anything. <laughs> and then I started growing it. And then obviously I don't know a lot of things. So then I was like, I want to know more. I want to know more. I did have like a tiny business where I sell vegetable to people. So we grow it in know, sort of like backyard garden. And then we have it overnight and then ship it directly to people's house. And so it's just like, this is really interesting and really fun. So I want to take it seriously. So I decided to come here to study for horticulture. And I think during my second semester of my first year, I took a class with Sam Watchman. And then he had, you know, like a research team. So that's the first time I actually, my first summer doing research. And I just got up in love with it ever seen. So then... I finished my undergrad in um, 2019. So I came here in August 2017, finished my master, uh, uh, finished my bachelor December 2019. And then January 2020, I started my master. And I just finished my master last May. And then now I'm on my uh, second year of my PhD. And Mia, would you mind to give a brief description of your research about climate smart specialty crop production system? Yes. So my kind of main research project right now is working on like um, different bio-based products or strategy in terms of dealing with drought stress. So we have, um, we tested on carrots and strawberry. So basically, we have one with irrigation and the other one just kind of rain-fed. And then we test um, mycorrhiza fungi or bio-based mulch 
and compost to see, you know, if it cattle help reduce some of the impact um, of water stress or cattle lacking of water in general. So that's one of the project. There's like other project that we do as a team. It would be, you know, like we grow different type of strawberry. We also test different type of biomold uh, in our lab. And if you could just elaborate a little bit more on what kind of cropping systems is your current research in? Yes, yeah, so we focus on more like, you know, local, our research targeted to give information for my for more like local small farm organic system okay. um so then we have we grow pepper we grow lettuce we currently have a lot of strawberry in our field um but generally roughly around that you know what could have our local farmer can grow better what could we use in organic system um, and try to make it sustainable, try to reduce input, try to make it easier for the farmer, if we can. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that is true. Well, you already mentioned, right, uh, one of the importance of your research. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about other importance of your research? Yeah, so like I said, we focus on, you know, local farmer. So then it's mostly local food production. And when you think about it, you can support, you know, the local economy. You have slightly, you know, better nutritional food because the food doesn't have to travel a long way. doesn't have to stay in storage for a while. Usually it's freshly picked probably within 24 hours when you buy it. And then you can also eat more seasonally. So I think that's good. And when you support that, then it also have diversified the landscape because most, most of this farm, they don't grow just one crop. They grow like multiple things. Mm -hmm. And they try to incorporate a lot of practice into their um, farming as well. So I think that's why it's important. Also, I just love food, you know. What motivated you to conduct research focusing on climate smart specialty crop production? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's like climate change is, can really be felt now, right? Like yeah. every day, especially in summer and winter, we feel the, a lot higher extreme, a lot more weather variability, right? And then there's more drought and all that stuff. So it's like, it's like a broad thing. But at least what I do is uh, focusing on water use efficiency, mm -hmm. Um maybe reduce water input or if you encounter drought, then what could you do? Because um, I think I read it on the food and agriculture website that like 70% of global fresh water is used for agriculture. So that's a lot. And if, at the start of this project, I watched so many documentary on drought issue and it's like... I feel like there's nothing we could do on this thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like little thing also matter. So if we could reduce, even just reduce input, that would be good. So I think that's just like the motivation mm -hmm. on how to sort of have a better way to use our resources. Mm -hmm. Yes. And can you go a little bit into the bio mulch and the mycorrhizal fungi? Can you kind of explain how that helps this climate smart and how that works um, with the water stress? Yes. So when you put um, any type of mulch basically on the 
on the ground and compared to the bare soil, it's already helping with water retention or evaporation. You know, if it's too sunny, then obviously water evaporates really quickly. Mm -hmm. So then if you have that layer, it's got to help uh, with the moisture retention. Um, the mycorrhizal fungi is kind of an interesting thing because there's not much research of it in the field yet, but in the um, more like greenhouse setting, they kind of act as an extra root for the plant. So they have like a symbiotic um, relationship yeah. with the plant and then the plant tray with the my that with the fungi so the fungi would go and scale water and other nutrition in the soil and that's kind of how they work so we're just kind of hoping to see if some of that interaction could have awesome I love yeah. that this is really cool so Mia you have mentioned about the that you focus in local growers, right? Yes. And your lab or you have seen acceptance from local growers to use different technologies or different management to to grow specialty crops here? Uh, we do work with some farm like around here. And then we also have the community garden program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we we did some of that to our prairie pie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so then we kind of introduce either, you know, like the experienced farmer or the new farmer. Like, okay, this is what we got. Would you like to try? And then see how he see how they like it. One of other research that involved basically citizen scientists uh, that we currently have going on is the Nebraska Soy Health Initiative. So people would sign up for the program and we uh, collect, well, they send us their soy sample and they we also, depends on what they sign up for, we send them um, cover crop and uh, geotextile and biochar um, and compost. So they can apply different treatment and then see how that affects their own garden. So I think it's a slightly different scale um, that we're applying our research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's so important too, because, you know, like when you think about specialty food cropping systems, especially at a local level in the state of Nebraska, like a lot right. of it's going to be your gardeners and kind yes. of um, even like some of your more local produce and things. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting that you're working at that scale. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, the next question is, how do you incorporate digital egg into your research? Okay, so this is interesting. Okay, I want to ask you guys, what do you define as digital agriculture? Because a lot of time when people think of it, it's about like big fancy drone and, and GSI, GIS and like very big data. That's kind of deal. To me, digital egg is about anything that can help you learn more about the system you're working in. I think it goes as much to say as moisture sensors, anything that can relate back to soil health, anything that can relate to plant health. We've had people on here that just talk about different apps that can be used. Yeah. And I think it's um, technology that helps growers to have the, the data or yes. the inputs quick, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Well. Yeah. So, I mean, for our lab, uh, we have a drone okay. to collect plant canopy and then we use the website called Canopio okay. to analyze I think it's mostly pixels to see how much green you have yes. Yes. yeah I've used it before yeah yes. <laughs> and then we use Hobo for uh, water soil temperature 
actually interesting fact i was like what's hobo stand for and then it just meant like hobo and then we have watermark for like soil moisture we also use that to so it's sort of like a clip on device you clip it on the leaves and then it measure the chlorophyll um, we also have samara conductant machine so you know when the planet trash or especially water trash sometimes as well like make a different effect on the somata conductant if they respirate more or less um, and all that stuff. So we also have uh, TDR uh, as an, also another device for soy um, moisture. Well, you use a lot of technology there. Yeah, you have a lot of technology to look at a lot of different things. Yeah. I like that though. I yeah. like that. Well, we try. <laughs> yes. It's really diversity there. So Mia, you did your master's uh, degree in entomology and you work with wheat, right? Yes. So since you have this experience working with uh, wheat crop and now you have this experience working with specialty crops, can you tell us a little bit about this difference and what you like it most from each one? Okay. Yeah, well, they kind of they definitely very different from each other. I think because of the research that I do itself. So for my master is more like lab oriented, where this um, specialty crop right now I'm doing is more field oriented. So um, for the wheat study, I was looking at plant defense and I guess insect, and then we look at different genes and all that. So as I would say, it's more focused on the plant itself, where right now with the specialty crop, we focus on like, oh, if we put this on the plant or, or the surrounding, it will you grow cover, it will you mulch. So it's more on the environment around the plant. And that's, I feel lucky that I got to experience both because now it's making more complicated in my head. But at least I know a bit more. And, you know, like wheat is more sort of monoculture. So the focus on what people want to do with like the desirable trade for the plant is slightly different than specialty crops sometimes. Um, so that's kind of what I like most about each one. I, I think I already kind of mentioned it. It just gives me different point view. But with specialty crop, you got to bring food home at the end of the field season or every harvesting day. Yeah, in the entomology department, sometimes we have some watermelons and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're going to have more for you. But I mean, with the wheat, then I, it's a different type of technology, right? Sometimes I feel amazed at like, oh. How you can just like a tiny piece of plant and then you put it in a machine and the machine do it thing. Mm -hmm. And then it tells you so much information. So that's kind of cool too. Can you tell us what other insights you've learned from working in specialty cropping systems versus working in more of like a wheat system that you talked about before? Yeah. So I think with specialty crop, there's like... um. You know, like uh, with wheat, sometimes we try to do it, we would increase 5% yield and all that. But with specialty crops, sometimes increasing yield doesn't necessarily equal increasing in, you know, like income or economic value because with specialty crop, there's a lot more into it. Um, You know, like the appearance of the, the fruit, how it tastes and all that. Um is very important and eventually would it reach 
consumer hand because you can't store it for too long and all that. So so some so from from sometimes you know if you like for us we have so many in the field and we can't have a set right away and then it's just right in the field and it's just not good and you don't you don't get that. But also a lot of time we intellectually aware like if uh, something look a little bit odd it's your taste vibe but when we go to the supermarket we all like want to pick the most perfect looking you know produce and that is um another challenge that if as a researcher we only focus on increasing yield increasing yield increasing yield then it it could not be and one of the thing is um i have kind of grow a lot more interest in strawberry and there's a, a book called Ligus Linealaris. It's a tonner's plant bug. And when it feeds on the strawberry green fruit, it will leave uh, malform and it's created like a very seedy tips. So it's called cat facing a button fruit. And um, because my background with wheat, then I was like, oh, it is a resistant strawberry. Mm-hmm. And it, there was some research on it, but the strawberry wasn't taste and most appealing to human. So it's kind of like out of the window. So sometimes um I think I think it's important to to uh, know what you know like the the buyer wants and you know then the farmer need to cater to the buyer and then that's what we need to focus on. And I think you know, instead of sometimes instead of increase five percent yield in the field, reduce five percent loss after harvesting would be a good, a, even a better strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that you've worked in both systems. You do get a different point of view, so I really like that you brought that on with us today. Um, what is the most challenging part of conducting research in specialty cropping systems so like on the more like practical everyday thing it's like the it's kind of labor intense with what we do in the field we try to we try to be organic um you know because we want to help the farmer like oh this is potential resources that you can use so one of the things is we have to deal with a lot of weeds mm-hmm. <laughs> And you know you grow specialty crop here, then the the growing time frame is kind of short. So one, the weather is you know you're not worried about frost anymore. Then you have to get everything on the ground at the same time, and it's a lot of everything going on at as as once. Um, but on the sort of being a researcher kind of side, then. With specialty crop system, people grow multiple crop, so it's hard to go deep into just one type of of things, and there's a lot of changing things. So sometimes, as researcher, we like we know a bit, but we don't know very in depth compared to if you know, like my previous uh, experience with studying wheat. Then I can read about it more intensely, but. With specialty crop farm, you have pepper, lettuce, broccoli, or everything and then anything. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I imagine how difficult it is because I just worked with soybean. And even though it's difficult to really go deeper about this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now you, as you mentioned, you have a diversity of plants to study and understand. So it's 
it's a, a big challenge, but you'll learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. And is there any gap for improvement in current specialty crop production, which the use of sensors or digital tools uh, could help? And if that is, so what type of technologies could be? So we're not really truly farmer, but uh, at least with my experience in the field, we do have, um, we, we, I think we have a lot of technology right now. I mean, that's always need more, but we have a lot of technology on precision agriculture, like how to save resources, how to increase yield, how to observe the, you know, like the, the crop grow. But one of the other thing is when you, with specialty crop thing get, you know, um, the shell life is not that long mm -hmm. and it's get bad pretty fast. So anything on the harvesting and weeding and even after harvesting, like how do you store them, how do you sort them, how do you process them? And even if in storage, when you like strawberry, let's say is one variety in June bearing. So it's just get a lot of fruit in June. And if it not got sold right away or if you run out of storage for it, then they just gone bad. There's a lot of food waste. That, so if technology can help with that part, I think that would be good. And also with, um, I think another thing is marketing sometimes. You know, like you grow a lot of food, but you can't sell it right away. Then they all go bad. And at least what I know in Vietnam is people really care about the, like the trace thing of where the food came from. So I think... In like the future, if there's some sort of information that can let the, you know, customer know like, okay, we have it today and like in an easier way that would help both the farmer and, you know, us as, you know, food buyer to, mm -hmm. to, to be good. So that, that's kind of my thought, like not maybe less on uh, a little bit less on increasing yield, but more on taking advantage of what we could harvest already. I think that's a great perspective because we do talk about food traceability. And I think it's become more of a knowledge sense in just consumers as well. Of we kind of want to know where it comes from. We want to we want to know some of those things. So I think that's definitely one market that would be awesome for digital ag to really break open of can we make this more traceable for growers, consumers, as well as the people who are marketing it? Because we do have a lot of food waste. And at the end of the day, it is kind of sad because not every like we're fortunate to have that here, but it's not always like that yeah. in other places. And so I think when there are limitations sometimes that like you have to solve those problems. And I think right. that's definitely one that should be addressed. So I like that you bring that up. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I I did. Um, I remember I heard about one farm in Vietnam that they have very interesting model. Mm -hmm. So they basically set up camera in, in like the plot. So if you as a consumer really won't care about how your crop it grow specifically you can kind of rent or hide them like rent that plot and you can observe how things grow and specify what you want to be done mm -hmm. on that thing so it's kind of cool um but yeah that would be good because whatever you grow from there can be directly to that consumer too yeah, and I, I like it as well that you brought this perspective because when we talk about product like food we just sometimes you just think about the production right but after 
post-harvest is also important, especially for specialty crops, because it's yes. something more delicate. I think, yes. yes. So we talked a little bit about your bio-based management tools in specialty crops. Do you have anything else you would like to elaborate on that? Anything else you'd like to go deeper in? Um, so I kind of want to like clarify the bio-based um, definition yes. sometimes. So some sometimes as uh, even for me at first I thought bio base is like the most natural form kind of thing, but bio base is more like a product that got a substance or substances derived from living matter, and then it's either used naturally or it have to be synthesized. And you know, um, I mean, there's a lot more of it, and uh, we are doing more research on them. So I think that's a very exciting to have more of that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just want to clarify that because um, let's say in entomology, we have bio-based tools. So it could be like um, bio-insecticide or bio-besticide. It could be like a virus or a fungal, but you spray and then it's killed a pest. But then biocontrol is a very different thing, right? You uh, you raise the natural enemies. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of kind of my input because I was confused about them at first too. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's good to clarify those things, especially yeah. for us that is not from this field. So yes. It's good to know. Yeah. yeah. And still talk a little bit more about biobased, but now about biomode. Mm. Can you tell us how this could help to reduce the labor work, especially for weeding? I think yes. this can help. So, I mean, you, you covered uh, the bare soil, so it's lead chain, you know, like you just basically eliminate the light and maybe some of the water so that the, the, the wheat seed doesn't germinate. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like that. For biomulch, they're also, you know, either biodegradable or compostable. Um, I think the other thing that it helps is not just the labor from, you know, weeding, but also the labor at the end of the few season. It does, I, I feel like it does definitely increase a little bit more on, you know, labor at the beginning of the few season where you have to lay that out. And some some of these is a little bit more fragile compared to the normal plastic, but you're reducing the plastic use in the whole you know life cycle of the production because we use so much plastic mm -hmm. in in our agriculture production too um so then if it's compostable then you can bring it to like a compost facility and then you you make it back into a compost that you can use and if it's biodegradable then the idea is that you can just mow it back into the soil at the end of few season instead of bring tear the plastic out, bring it to the landfill. And, you know, it's take like, I don't know, like 300 years mm -hmm. for them to degrade. And even the byproducts, I think some papers that, you know, the byproducts after they degrade is also kind of toxic, um, you know, to maybe the soy and even us. So um, I think, I think that's like the more important thing is, um, yeah, but the direct effect is definitely less weeding. No, but it's nice that you brought this more sustainable way in right. producing using yeah. this. Yes, I like that we highlight that on here because I 
you know, I didn't even think of the plastic that you lay down before you lay traditional mulch. And I think I've mulched so many gardens with my mom. So <laughs> I didn't even think of that. But I think that I think that's really interesting. And I don't know, can you speak? Have you seen good things like come out of some of the research? Like, have you seen what have you seen from it? Yeah, well, a lot of these uh, more is kind of still in development. Okay. But um, it's, uh, it's definitely at least equally effective at the plastic mode. So it's very helpful. Um, it does reduce the the weed. I mean, we still kind of see, but yeah, I mean, we uh, reduce weeding time and then, you know, uh, just water the retention. It's just overall etching, mulching effect. Yeah. But um, we also have one of the interesting bio mode that we're testing with high density crops. So we're doing carrot and lettuce. A lot of time you'll um bread the seed out just on the on the soil, right? And then there's a lot of weed between them. So if you use this more and the carrot say can penetrate through this more, it would reduce so much weeding time instead of you have to like look between the carrots and eliminate yeah. the weed yeah yeah this is yeah this is a really great idea because if you could eliminate weeds with more of a natural approach then you're reducing any um chemical pesticides that have to be put in because a lot of your organic specialty cropping systems are very limited if not using any of those sorts of things so i think yes. that's yeah i like that i like that a lot yeah, yeah. right it's yeah. really interesting this interview because yeah your research <laughs> is really nice thank you <laughs> yes uh so how do you think your current research uh, could help specialty crop producers locally and also globally? Yeah, I think it's just, I think our, you know, agriculture research as a whole always have that, right? Like we want to improve it and make the life of the farmer easier. And now we definitely focus on being more sustainable, more mindful about how we use our resource. and. Um, we we definitely care about one of the things that I think about is you know care about health in general the way that we approach it in a more organic way or sustainable way is like first is as human human health and we if we don't spray a lot of things then yes it would help with our health um, and then but it also help with the soil health the microorganism health and you know the uh about the ground, insects, health, and pollinator health, and all that stuff. So, um, it's hard to you know document everything and like quantify everything. But I think it it definitely help what um, you know locally because we're doing it right now in Nebraska. We know we're testing it in our climate. You know how the weather extreme could affect it because what I learned. And especially where I've come from in Vietnam is that here we have winter and when you have winter and when you not have winter, it's a very different thing on how you approach farming. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's just, um, just what we try to do anyway. I think it would apply at least locally. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And globally, I think we kind of just pushing a little bit of information. Mm -hmm. you know and hopefully contributed <laughs> to a bigger picture yes yeah yeah i know sure. 
I, I love that you bring that up because it really, you're bringing in all aspects, like all environmental aspects about the plant system. And I think that's really unique. I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Thank you. So the next question is a little bit more of a futuristic look. And what are you most looking forward to in the future of integrating some of these digital tools and especially cropping production systems? Yes. So I think, I think I'll, I'll just stick to my theme to sort of like Im improve sustainability of our farming. So I would say there's like a few different things that I would looking forward to. At least in specialty crop is one of the first thing is more accessible. Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of tool that we use as researcher is could be really our bridge for people or even smaller scale. Or sometimes I think about like people in Vietnam in developing country that probably could not afford some of the tool that we have. Mm -hmm. Um so that would be good. And then we can fine tune the management side, you know, like um, that would be, that'd be great and help with marketing the products and have the food to come to the consumer, you know, like faster and less waste. I, I would really want to see that. And that also conserve uh, resources instead of, you know, like water use, even labor is a resource, right? And then obviously the food that we already grow, but if all harvested, but we can use it, that'd be, that'd be uh, something, right? And overall, it was just make life of the farmer easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that is cool. And well, Mia, it was really nice to know more about your <laughs> research and you know, all the all the insights that you brought in this yeah. interview was really, really cool. So is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that you think is important or? Well, does it, I was like, I, I'm not really sure, but I'll, I'll use this part for my own benefit. Like <laughs> if anyone doing specialty crop or growing stuff out there, um, if you have any interesting aspect, like reach out to me because I, I want to know more. But this is from, come from, a student respective sometimes you spend a lot of time with reading piece, papers and stuff um but without actually knowing you know sometimes what the challenges of the farmer is i think that is a, a challenge that i encounter with and i really want to hear more from other people mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay. no i love that i think a lot of what we do on farm bits is trying to one communicate research communicate technology communicate any sort of information we can to to growers, to farmers, to the general public, really. Yes. So I like that perspective because especially as a student and I don't come from a farming background. So I'm always like, please, please tell me what what is your yes. challenge? What what can we do to actually create adoption? Yes. And what do you need? So I really like that. Yep. <laughs> and then our last question for the interview is that it's a tradition on the Farm Bits podcast to ask for a piece of advice. What advice do you have for anyone interested into getting into specialty crop research? Yes. So um, just with my experience, this is an advice that I would like to myself to do more to is just reach out to people. Um. You know, like if you read something interesting or you watch a video on YouTube and you're like, oh, that's so cool. I want to know more. I think sometimes we're just kind of afraid <laughs> to like, oh, I don't want to bother people. But you just reach out to people, try an internship, you know, or even just grow something at home and then just observe it every day that 
that is kind of how you learn, you know, like grow some lettuce, grow some tomato on a balcony and observe. I, I think just say, kind of stay curious. And then, um, I mean, there's always a lot of paper to read. <laughs> I, I think, you know, like from, from a student uh, perspective, uh, perspective, I think that would be what I, I would give. To, this is the type of research that you only know by doing, right? So I think the best way is to pick up an internship somewhere um, and then see how you feel about it, what make what click for you because there's so many aspects of this system that you can you can discover. Thank you very much, Tamia, for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. It's really exciting to hear her perspectives on row crop and specialty cropping systems. I would say my favorite part was how she encompassed the entire cropping system as a whole, from plant to pest to sustainability. I also think it was nice, but one of my favorite parts of this episode was when she brought some insights about the difference between row crop and specialty cropping system post-harvest. I hope you enjoyed that episode and we are looking forward to sharing another digital egg story with you next week on Farm Bits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or whenever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback, so if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank you, Nebraska Extension, for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the host and guest on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats.